Welcome back to episode number 76 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. You guys know what's coming next, right? It's all of our voices. So keep comments and questions coming to me. I appreciate it. We're close, guys. We're almost at 900. I just posted this, uh, yesterday's show this morning, early this morning, and I'm on my way to work again. And so um, I am trying to get more content out to you guys, but I also had a great comment from somebody that was kind of dovetailed into another one that we just did not too long ago, a couple shows ago. And so I really wanted to get out to, you know, I'm excited about this one because it was interesting to me. So I want to talk about this one. I really think it's cool. And so I may go a little longer. I hope I don't, but but it's a good topic. So maybe you guys will find it interesting too. Um, what else, guys? What else is going on? iTunes. Don't forget you catch me on iTunes. Some people on iTunes. I haven't heard from you in a little while. A couple days I haven't heard anybody say, hey, I'm listening on iTunes. So if you're out there and you're a new listener on iTunes and you're, and you're uh, new to the show, just drop me a Facebook uh, PM at the NP Dude. You can, t- you can tag me that way or you can just catch me. Go, be- go like and share the show on Facebook, and uh, leave me a message. Say, hey, I'm listening on iTunes. You can always email me, jeff at thenpdude.com, and just let me know you're listening there, too. And the reason I do that, guys, is if you're a newer listener, there's no way to track iTunes. So I I just don't know how many people are out there, and I'm getting a a decent amount of people. I think way more people are listening on iTunes than are downloading the show through my, my page. And I'm still hitting a consistent number. I haven't increased in a while, but I'm hitting like a flat number on my daily downloads through my my actual website, which is thenpdude.com. So if you're iTunes, give me a note. Let me know. I'm just curious. See who's out there. See what's going on. Don't forget, you can always ask me questions. You can give me uh, ideas for shows. Things that are bothering you need to be bothering me because, you know, guess what? They're probably bothering a bunch of people, and we need to figure these things out. And if we can coalesce what we don't know into some knowledge, then uh, I think we'll be better off as a profession. So remember, I'm not doing this for any other reason, just to be part of the community and just try to help out any way I can and uh, to truly be a voice. So let me be your mouthpiece and send me those ideas and show show topics and questions, comments, all that stuff. All right. So what are we going to get into? Because I'm going to get right into it because I'm about halfway to work, so I don't have that much time. Um, I got an email from Chris in North Carolina. He said I could use his name before. He's always giving me good ideas, giving me good feedback. He's a, he's a, a smart guy. He's an NP student, and he's just trying to figure out where he fits in this world, too, and I get it, dude. So I, I appreciate your listening. I appreciate your comments. You got nice nice words, he says, every time, and uh, always good good show ideas, good just good good back and forth exchange with Chris. So I appreciate it. So here's his question of the day. He listened to the the, the uh, show two days ago or two shows ago that was about the um, the model, the new model that's kind of out there for uh, direct primary care, DPC. And he said, that's a great idea. That's a really cool topic. But I work Medicaid or I'm in an area that's underserved and is mostly Medicaid and Medicare. And can, can I make that work as a as a practice, number one was kind of what he was saying, but he said, number one question was, if if I would I be better off if I were to go work for somebody, and just you know be a, an employee, contract employee, or whatever the status is that you you get your deal, and uh, and work as an NP that way, or would it be make sense to just open your own practice and see primarily Medicaid and Medicare? Could you make that work? And so the short answer is absolutely you can make that work. Now, there's always there's always caveats to everything. So and I'll, I'll go into that a little bit in a second. But I wanted to kind of expand on it a little bit because I think kind of what I would do 
as an attorney and working in business and having owned a couple companies and, and just they're small companies, you know, backyard type companies. But the process of, of what I would do to try to make that work and the, some of the things you need to be aware of, I guess, more than anything, because it's nice and, and wonderful and warm and fuzzy to say, you know, I'm going to start my own practice. And then once you start down that road, you know, you make a, a pretty major commitment and then you have to realize the, the headaches that you're going to be up against as an employer and especially an employer in healthcare, dealing with insurances and things like that. So can you make it work? Absolutely. How would you make it work is a bigger question. So if you know that you've got a population that is primarily Medicare, they pay fairly well. Medicare's they pay pretty good. Like Medicare wellness exams, they give you an extra you know exam every year, it pays 150, 140 bucks. I mean it's a it's a decent paying thing. It's not a big deal. It takes about 20 minutes to do one. You can make some decent coin doing that. Now Medicaid, depending on what you're doing in Medicaid. And, and he, Chris says he's in the process of learning like CPT codes and billing codes and things like that. But if you boil it down, every jurisdiction, every area of the country has different dollar amounts that they assign to the billing codes, the CPT codes. So in Medicaid world, you're probably going to get around 50 bucks for like a 99213, which is like a sick visit. Just call it a sick visit in general. Because you have to have so much things charted, so much you know complexity of care, and there's there's a whole process of how you pick which one you want. But in reality, let's just call a 9921350 50 bucks. And a 99214 is about 70 bucks. 60 to 70, 75. Some places it's 80 or 90, it just depends on the country, part of the country. So what you really need to do is a market analysis to see if you can get enough patients at that rate to cover your costs. And your costs are your salary, that's a big chunk. Your staff's salary, rent, which is around 10 to 12 bucks a square foot per year. It just depends on where you're, where you are in the country, right? I'm, I'm guessing in LA or in, in San Francisco, it's probably 50 or 60 or a hundred dollars a square foot. It's huge cost, but in Northeast Ohio, it's around eight, 10, 12, you know, 13 bucks, 15 bucks a square foot. It just depends on how nice of an office you want. Now, if you're Medicaid, you probably could just rent a house and just convert it into a, into a, uh, an office. Or, you know, if your zoning allows, you could turn part of your house into your office if you wanted to have people coming into your home. I don't know if I would do that, but but that's an option. So, you know, you could go on the cheap or you could go really nice. It just depends on the cost. So some of the other things you got to look at are going to be your malpractice, your general liability insurances, your, your accountant fees, your attorney's fees, all those professional costs that it takes to get things up and running. These are all relatively relatively nominal, in my opinion compared to the amount of time and energy it's going to take you to set all the crap up to get it done. Because you're probably not going to hire a credentialing specialist to get you credentialed. You could. That would be an option if you if you wanted to do that. Now, right out of school, I wouldn't recommend going out and hanging out your shingle. Some lawyers do that. They can make that work, and that's fine, because you can snowball people into thinking you're really good at what you do, and, and you can starve for a little while because you're still living like you're in college. And and uh, you know, you buy one nice suit and that's all you got. And you meet people at the courthouse, you don't have an office. So you could do things on the cheap that way, as a, you know, hang your shingle out, so to speak. The, the problem is, as a nurse practitioner, you gotta have so many things in place. You gotta have a collaborative physician in 20, you know, 28 of the states. So you gotta pay a collaborative physician, which can be upwards of $15,000 a year, just to say, yeah, I'll be your collaborative. And they check over some charts and you know, make sure you're not killing people. Yeah, right, right? Okay. 
but you got to really figure out what your market can 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 bear. Now, doing the basic math, I just kind of ran the numbers really quick last night. I saw his email coming. I'm like, ooh, I'm just going to do the math real quick. If you were to do 20 patients a day at 50 bucks, okay, and you were to work, you know, a typical, you know, eight hour day, whatever it is, you 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 basically are going to come out to 20. Uh, around $300,000 in billables. That's a pretty high number. Now, granted, you're not always going to be hitting just a, fit, a sick visit. You're going to be hitting a lot of one fours too. So your your CPT code's going to bill you out a little bit higher than that. So it might be more like 60 or 70. But if you use 50, conservatively low, you could come out with a decent chunk of change at the end of the day. But then you got to add in your salary. You've got your overhead expenses. How much does it cost to keep the lights on? What supplies do you need in the office that are, you know, the fungible goods like like lidocaine if you're doing procedures and, and um, what are the requirements that you have to do to store all that stuff? And you got to worry about inspections and you got to worry about from health department and pharmacy board or anything like that if you're carrying meds. All of these things are headaches. They're all time sinks that really suck a lot of your energy away. But they're all manageable. But the problem is that you got to see 20 patients a day plus do all that other stuff. You don't have a life. So you have to look at your, your question has to become, is it easier to work for somebody else than it is to start your own practice? By far, it's an easier choice. Can you make it work? Yeah, you could make it work. Absolutely, you could make it work especially for an underserved area and there's no one there and there's a bunch of people that are just starving for primary care, you could absolutely start a business that would be successful, that would give you a job paying more money than what you would make in an annual salary at another, you know, working for somebody else. But your responsibility is a hundred times more. Um, You've got a lot more headache to deal with. And starting out as a new NP, I would suggest you don't do it. I mean, you could do it, but I just wouldn't. I mean, you'd have to really be on the ball with everything. I think it would be a better way to go would be to work a couple years, get your NP skills down, figure out what you're doing as an NP um, so that you can become more efficient when you're seeing patients because you're going to have things explode in between patients. The copier is broken. Oh, crap. I got to go call, you know, the technician to come fix the copier. You know, and your staff or whatever—they they don't they, they they just assume that you're going to handle all these headaches, okay? Or they come to you with a quote on how to fix this, or the phone systems are down, or the the computer internet Wi-Fi is down, and you can't chart, or, or you know the new policies and procedures are changing, and you need to keep up to date, or you've got an employee that needs fired, or you've got you know there are all these things of running a business that that are interjecting in between your patients are going to pull you away from patient care. And, and can affect quality of care if you're not paying attention. So I would recommend getting some experience before you went out and did that. I just would. It just makes sense to me. But could you make it work? You could absolutely make that work. Now, that being said, do I feel comfortable seeing as many Medicaid patients as I do? No, I don't. I wish I had some more private insurance. I really wish it was a you know 50-50 type of split because if, if Medicaid goes away, uh, I go away. There's no, there's no payment for me. If I can't get paid, then I don't. I go away. <laughs> if I can't re- get reimbursed from the insurance companies, I go away. That's just a, it's a fact. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you can't get paid, you don't stay. And so, do I like having all my eggs in the Medicaid basket? I don't. Now, Medicaid and Medicare—they're still both social welfare programs, but they're both different. So one's federal, one's state. So it, it's a little bit safer, you know, spreading that out between those two. But I still think that you need to have some private insurance. Now, the bigger question for me is how do you do a market analysis if you don't know what the market is? It's really friggin' hard. How do you know? 
You don't. So you got to get out there and, and test the waters. You got to start seeing. So I think the better way to do it is to get some experience in the area that you want to practice. So if you really want to practice in your community that's a rural community and there's not anybody there, then I would go to a demographic that's similar to your community that's in the next town over that has an office that's looking for an NP and try to find the most similar demographic that you have because then you're going to deal with the same insurances that you would deal with in your community that would be underserved. If you go work in the metropolitan area that's all private insurance, you're not going to get that experience with the same type of clientele, number one. You're not going to get familiar with the issues that they deal with. What headaches do they have? Try to navigate you know, low-income, you know, expensive medications and how to figure out those, those, those creative ways to get them the care that they need. So you need to find the right community that's similar to yours. And then I would say that's going to be your market analysis. You're going to soak up as much information while you're working in that community to figure out what it is that you need to be doing and laying the groundwork as you're working in that other, that other place. Does that mean that you're going to jump ship and go and do something else? No, because maybe they'll want you to run their practice. Maybe you're learning that information for just the benefit of being a better practitioner. Learning how to run a practice should be on everybody's radar, regardless if you're going to own your own practice, because then you're better at what you do. You're more well-rounded. You're more, your your uh, job security is better. You're, you're more marketable to the community. Some of the podcasts that I listen to call that human capital. It's just bettering yourself, learning things, doing a better job at things. That's all, that's all important. So I would use that as an opportunity, my first job as an opportunity to learn the market and do my market analysis at that time. Now market analysis to me is this. How many patients can I draw? Where do we get our patients from? What's the best way to get clients? Is it through word of mouth? Is it through um, local churches? Is it through organizations? Are there government funding sources that are available to, um, you know, like maybe FQHC type funding? What does it take to become that? How do you do it? What's the protocols? Who do you have to contact? What, all these things are things that you can develop and absorb and keep track of. And just every time you get a phone number, you write it down. Oh, this is the person that does that. And I need to talk to them about that. Then you put it on a list. That's one more headache that I got to deal with. But now I know who, to, who I need to yell at to get things done. What are some of the other things you got to worry about? Man, there's just so much that you don't know until you do it. And even I wouldn't know everything until I did it. Setting up the company is the easy part. Getting the company name is an easy part. God damn it, this is the third detour I've hit today. Man, three detours. I'm running late already. Jeepers, creepers. All right, whatever. Three detours on my way to work in one day. Crazy. It's craziness. How am I ever going to get to work? <laughs> Three detours. Urgh. All right. That's what happens when you got to go different back roads. You just don't know. Anyways, just point towards the sun, right? I'm going east. As long as the sun's in front of me, I'm good. So what else would I look at for my market analysis? I, you know, I, I would just figure out the best alternatives to funding clients. Now, keep in mind that your contract with your employer, or if you do it this way, may preclude you from taking the existing clients. And that's okay. That's not your goal is to steal your clients. If your clients know about you, they will follow you eventually anyways, if they like you. If they're not getting good care where they are, they'll follow you, and you don't solicit. You didn't solicit. People just came. I did prove to me that I solicited. I, they just found out I was in the community, looked me up, and came and saw me. I didn't. I didn't actively say yes. Come, come, follow me. Prove it. 
you know, and so, so I, I would, I wouldn't, um, be too concerned about that, but I would be aware of it just to make sure that you weren't stepping on toes too. And you also want to be aware of the fact that you don't want to be overtly telling your employer, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm doing this so that I can start my own practice. Well, no, you're doing it because you want to be a better practitioner. If you happen to start your practice in the future, great. If not, oh well, it's good knowledge. It's good to know. You're, it's good. It's human capital. You're, you're improving yourself. So I would, um, I would, I would definitely consider it starting my own practice. I really would. Now, keep in mind, in in Ohio, we still got that collaborative thing, and and I was talking to somebody yesterday through Facebook uh, Messenger back and forth. It was an Ohio person that was looking for for a collaborative, and like, how do I find a collaborative? I'm like, that's a great question. I don't know. Talk to your local family practices, pediatricians. Talk to whoever, whatever it is that you want to do. You find out who's in your area that's not associated with a big company. Because if a big company, chances are their contract's going to preclude them from being a, a collaborative uh, outside of the scope of their employment. So in other words, if you you know go work for university hospitals up in Cleveland as a physician, and you want to be a collaborative to some NP just you know that wants to open their own practice, their contract's probably going to say you can't do that unless they work for UH and it's mandated through UH's policies that you be a collaborative physician that way. So it might be difficult. I wouldn't start at those. That doesn't mean I wouldn't necessarily look at them, but I wouldn't start there. I would start with local practices that are, you know, not necessarily competing firms, but um, people that are swamped, people that you know and trust that are like, man, I got more patients. I'm not accepting any new ones. I'm, I'm easy. I'm trying to ease out of this, or I'm ready to retire. Yeah, that would be a perfect one. Somebody that's retired would be a great collaborative because they can still make some extra cash being a collaborative and they don't really have to do much so that would be a great option for a, a retired physician now i would also go to like the state agencies and look for um the state state associations like the uh ohio state medical association osma or i'd go to the ohio academy of family practice uh, family uh, practice physicians or whatever it is and so those might be options that you could go get lists of physicians that would be um, in that area of practice. And then you could just kind of start dialing, start at A and go through Z and start dialing. And say, hey, I'd love to come meet with you, take you to lunch. What do you think? It's, you're going to get a lot of rejections. But you might hit, you know, out of a 1,000 physicians, you might hit 10 of them that would be interested. It's a lot of legwork. A lot of legwork. Just to find a collaborative. A lot of legwork. Now, I still think that there's other models. The second question that he had was, what are some of the other models that you could see doing this? And, and to be honest with you, I think that, that cash-only business wouldn't be a bad option either. But the problem is, is that when you're in a low income, you're not going to get any money. You know, people are going to come and pay you with you know, chicken, chicken eggs and, and you know, jars of jelly, which is fine. That's cool. I like barter. That's, I'm good with that. But the problem is, is that it's not going to be the same value-to-value -value exchange that you would get through Medicaid or Medicare. But you got a lot of headaches. You got a lot of headaches. Just getting just getting credentialed is a headache. The contracts that you have to have in place, and not only that, you have to have two contracts. You have to have the provider credentialed and the practice credentialed. So it's two sets of contracts. Now another model that I would see would be more related to um, not necessarily the, a model of practice, but available opportunity would be doing addiction specialist type work. And I had a, a person comment on my blog today, this morning, last night, but, and it's somebody I went to school with that had a comment about addiction specialists being an addiction specialist under CARA. 
Does that mean we can do that now? Yes, we can, but we're still limited in Ohio to the scope of practice of what we do with our collaborative physician. So the big picture here is, could you um, maybe do some, some, some work as an addiction specialist, which is paid very well through Medicaid because it's under mental health? Even though you don't have to be mental health, you could be, uh, you're doing medical assisted treatment, but it's paid through the medical health side of things in Ohio at least. And I would imagine it's similar in other states, but it pays substantially more. Instead of a 40 for a 99213, $40, or $50, it's like 130. It's like four times more for the same work, and you're doing Suboxone. But you got to have a lot of institutions in place to do that. You got to have your drug screening set up. You got to have you know counseling. You got to coordinate with that. You have, so there's other things you want to do with that too. But there's it's legwork. It's all legwork. It's a lot of legwork, and you don't get paid for that. At least in that respect, you get paid at the end of the day. Whatever's left over is yours. So it's, it's an option. I, I would certainly consider it, especially in an area where there's no one. If there's no one providing, but there's people there. Guess what? They can get Medicaid. They just need they need assistance being pointed in the right direction. So is it worth paying somebody to help get people in the community on Medicaid so that you could you could help serve them? Then that might be an option too. But that's that's more like work for you. You got to figure all that out. And I haven't done that yet. I'll get there. I'm sure I will. Interesting topic. Interesting topic. Very exciting. It's it's really exciting to see people like thinking outside of the box. Saying, well, how do I make this work? What can I do? How do I make it? I can make it myself. I can make it happen. How do I do it? Great. I love it, Chris. Keep those things coming to me. Keep specific questions coming to me, too. So if you have specifics on that, let me know. Uh, another one I, I saw real quick, and, and uh, I'm almost late to work, and i still got 15 minutes to get there. Urgh. Whatever. All right? You did the best you can. I even left 20 minutes earlier than usual because I knew of one of the detours. Man, hour and a half to get to work today. Keepers, creepers. Okay. So, another one I saw. This one, this is just a, a, an observation is all I'm going to call it. And it was relating to Z-Dog. You guys know Z-Dog, right? The, the, uh, Demania is his last name. He's a physician out in Vegas. He's got uh, his own practice. He kind of does concierge slash DPC model. So he's kind of under that too. And he's got the uh, health 2.0 philosophy and all that stuff. And so if you guys are fans of his, he's kind of cool. I like him. He's, he's funny. I like his, his songs are funny. His videos are funny. Um, I think he's, he plays it very cautious when he's talking about services from other people. And I don't necessarily believe everything he says all the time, but I think he's a pretty honest guy. So I trust, I trust him somewhat. But he had a comment on one of his Facebook threads that um, he was posting a meme about residents. You guys probably all have seen this, and it's the one where they were all shaking each hand, hands and saying, doctor, doctor, doctor. And it was like, yeah, yeah, it'd be uh, July. It'd be like, you know, residents are here, doctor, doctor, all that stuff. Okay, And they're shaking each other's hands, just bragging about their doctors. That's basically what it was. And then the, the, the comments on the Facebook thread were all about, you know, nurses, because a lot of nurses love Z-Dog. I mean, it, probably more nurses than physicians are fans of Z-Dog because there's a ton of nurses out there. A ton of nurses out there. And so he's got a lot of people that he needs to keep happy from the nurse perspective to keep his his fame up. And so, so I get that he's going to play softball sometimes with maybe how he feels and maybe some of his opinions are going to be watered down 
um, because he doesn't want to alienate. I'm not afraid to alienate, apparently, so it is what it is. So I'll tell you the truth. I'm trying to be honest. But his, his thread was kind of funny because this one person was a physician and said, well, you guys are all making fun of residents and they're trying to kill people and it's the deadliest month of the year and all that stuff. And it came down to saying, well, nurse practitioners don't have the training, don't have the education, and um, we should be, if we're scared of, of residents, we should be downright you know, terrified of nurse practitioners when they graduate. And so ZDog responded back and said, you know, let's, let's just talk about this and bring it to the open. And what I found, my observation was he had his wife on with him in his video. And I watched about two-thirds of it because I got bored, to be honest with you. I was like, okay, they're not telling me anything. And it was just all softball answers. And what, what I got out of it was physicians don't understand what we do. That's really what they said. They said, we just don't understand. And his wife was like, I Googled what nurse practitioners do and have to do. And um, they, they kind of missed the boat, though, because they just oversimplified. And that's, a, that's a, always a common concern when you're doing something that it's easy to get picked apart after the fact. So I get that. But they didn't really explain that, yeah, you don't have the necessary same level of education in years, maybe, uh, slightly. And you don't have certainly the same amount of time in a residency clinical hours that's for sure but we also pick our residency when we go to our masters so we we kind of select that beforehand so they didn't really talk about that i think they missed the boat on that because that is something that is that is different and the fact that we are not physicians we're not physicians we're not apples and apples and i think that was a good observation too and i think that they they recognized that and i thought that was that was helpful but um I don't know how it ended. I honestly got bored. <laughs> I got bored listening to it. But I but I really thought it was funny because it did point out the fact that someone as open to nurses as Z-Dog didn't really understand what we do. And they had to Google it. You'd think that they would just ask somebody, what is it that you do? How did you get where you are? What's the differences? I mean, it was, it's a five-minute discussion. It's not that complicated. It really isn't. And that, that was one thing his wife said was, well, it's really complicated. So it's like a cop-out answer that... You know, it's, it's so complicated. That's why we just don't understand. No, it's not important to you. That's why you don't understand. You don't care. It's not in your... Ra and that's okay that you don't care. You don't need to care. But it's not that you... It's complicated. It's that it just wasn't that important to you to know. So don't fall back on lies. That was the only thing that bugged me. It was like, that's a lie. That's a lie. It's not that it's complicated. It's that you just don't give a crap. That's different. So I thought that was a little disingenuous. But the rest of it was softball. So I thought it was interesting when somebody posted on the Facebook forum for one of the nurse practitioners groups and said, hey, listen to this, Z-Dog's funny, I like this guy, and you know, listen to him defend nurse practitioners. And I, I didn't hear a huge amount of defending of nurse practitioners. I heard just a mild explanation um, and making fun more of just reaffirming why he posted the meme in the first place was what I got out of it. But it was fun. It was interesting. I lost the interest, but, you know, whatever. So go back and listen to Z-Dog if you want. Go listen to some of his songs. He's funny. If you haven't listened to him, he's, he's got some funny stuff. The Ebola one was the first one I think I heard years ago, and it was funny. I, I, just, I was kind of hooked after the Ebola scare. It's kind of funny. That's all I got today, guys. Keep listening. Keep sharing the show. Spread the word. I need your help. I really do. If you want to make this something that's kind of cool and people uh, across the country are getting benefit from it, we got to keep this going. i got to keep it spreading. If it's not spreading and I'm not getting information from you guys, it's not valuable to me. 
if I'm not getting feedback from you guys. So I need to hear back from you guys. I need comments and questions. Don't forget to give me ratings. I got a couple ratings um, over the last weekend, but I haven't gotten anything since on uh, iTunes or Facebook. So go go shoot me a rating. If you think I'm a three, just tell me why. If you think I'm a five, that's fine. I'm okay with it. Then I appreciate the good positive feedback. But I want to hear some negative. Tell me suck. Tell me I suck, but why? I want to hear why. I got a couple people that said, you know what, you're not my cup of tea, and I get that, and I, and I thank them. Thank you. I appreciate your feedback because they took the time to do that. That's important because sometimes it's important to hear, you know what, you really aren't that great, and I'm good with that because I don't think I'm that good. I'm kind of middle of the road. I'm just average at most everything. I just spent a lot of money getting there <laughs> and a lot of time getting it work. Ugh. All right, so at least I'm not on another detour. Finally back on the main road. My wheels aren't falling off today going about 90 miles an hour on the freeway i get the i get about 10 minutes of freeway that's all i get the rest of it's country roads so anyways guys thanks for listening and we will talk soon